WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millar. Thank you for joining me on the program here this morning. And joining me on the phone right now is Captain Ted Peck, river guide, author, and uh, just uh, all-around knowledgeable river individual. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, Kevin. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, we've gotten, we can touch on this here, we've gotten a little rain in the last couple of days. Man. Oh, yes, we have. Uh, here at the uh, compound, we've got just about three inches in the last 48 hours, which, of course, is going to impact uh, a lot of the panfish bite in the backwaters for the short haul. Uh, but the long-range river forecast is still calling for the river to drop, so it's looking good down the road. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised that uh, it's it's uh, at 6-3 here this morning, and I'm I, I, I'm trying to think back. It's It's been quite a while since it's been... Uh, it's been that low, so. <laughs> this is the time in which we live. It's the new normal, and yeah. it's, uh, the fish are adjusting accordingly. The, uh, <clears throat> we finally have a uh, good wing, bite, wing dam bite developing for the walleyes, uh, the mm-hmm. rocks, the wing dams, and the clothing dams, and the panfish have been on a pretty good rip here lately. That's, uh, that is good to hear. And, and I, I guess maybe, too, let's, uh, let's kind of, wanted to talk to you about panfish uh, here today, and uh, you know, how does this, you know, with the the muddy water and, and dirty water conditions, uh, you know, how does that affect the panfish bite? Well, you know, it, it's kind of like a candy cane initially. Uh, the backwaters get impacted first and most. So what you want to look for, there are backwaters and running sloughs and the downstream side of islands and this kind of thing in the main channel where there's actually less impact from uh, heavy rainfall than in the backwaters where uh, it's shallow and there's also runoff coming from the fields on both sides of the river. So for the short haul, for the next day or so, uh, I'd be fishing um, main channel islands, the downstream side of main channel islands and quiet waters there because panfish are not going to fight the current. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like very slack current, just like they do during ice fishing season. Yeah. Um, but, and you'll find that on the, on the downstream side of some of these islands, especially on a falling river. Uh, where you have water clarity. It's not absolutely critical, but it helps. Uh, when the river's dropping, it does move the fish. And when the river's muddy, of course, it's just like uh, somebody like somebody in a house fire uh, trying to find a window for some air. They're going to come to a very small area, and they're not going to move very far from it. And uh, So you have to put the bait right in front of them in order to get them to move to it. In a couple of days, long about Monday, if we get no more rain, uh, the water, the, the runoff is going to start to, to leach away from the back channel areas, and you're going to see a mud line develop, a very clear mud line. We had a, we've had a beauty here the last few days on, on most of these running sloughs where a very distinct mud line, and then you couple that with a, a clear blue sky when you can see down a couple, three feet. In the middle of the day, they're not going to be there. They're going to be in the water where you can always see down about two feet. So you actually look for muddier water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're, you're going to see things develop here quickly. Uh, the bluegills, and we have, we have good emergent weed growth now and submergent weed growth. And, of course, that attracts all panfish species with the, uh, the perch relating primarily to Elodea, which is a fancy word for uh, coontail weed. Mm-hmm. There's a little benthic macroinvertebrate, which is a 10-cent word for a little green bug, a little, little worm. Uh, that hangs in the Elodea. So the way to find the perch is you're, you're looking in less than six feet of water, and I use a 10-foot pole and a little lure with my name on it called the Teddy Skunk Perchinator, <clears throat> which is a little 32nd ounce jig. And I might put a little Berkeley gulp on there or maybe a wax worm or 
mm-hmm. even a, a little pinch of red worm, and I just take that 10-foot pole, and you find the coontail bed, six, seven feet of water or less, three, four feet of water, and I dip between the fronds of coontail until I hook up with a decent perch. And once you once you find the depth at which they're holding, and you find those little benthic macroinvertebrates, the little green worms, just leave the box open and just take, take uh, your limit if you want to. Of course, not more than that. Half a dozen perch will feed you. You get some mm-hmm. nice fish. With the bluegills, the bluegills will also relate to the Elodea, but we also have a development of American water lotus, which is the big high snooty word there for lily pads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with the lily pad growth, the the actual surface temperature, which is now running in the low upper 60s to mid 70s, low 70s on the main channel, a water temperature underneath the lily pads as they develop is actually 10 degrees cooler, which is perfect for these fish, and they can lay there in ambush. So you find both crappies and bluegills. And a lot of the, the the American water lotus, and once again, same kind of technique. You find little pockets in it, mm-hmm. and you're only fishing. You're only talking. You're less than five feet of water, pretty much, uh, two to three feet of water, and you just take your time, dip along the edge with a long pole and a light jig. Uh, for the bluegills, I like using a little bimbo skunk, which is a little uh, eightieth ounce hair jig. Same folks that make the Teddy Skunk Perchinator. A little 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 teeny bait. You know, you can catch a, a big fish on a small hook, but you can't catch a small fish on a big hook. So, and this, the beauty of this bimbo skunk, it only weighs an 80th of an ounce. And so you come up to the, imagine there's a bunch of lily pads, there's a dozen lily pads, a little hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you take your 10-foot pole and just let this 80th of an ounce jig kind of waft down through the water column. And if the bluegills are there, they're going to jump on it. And you tend to get bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yep. And, boy, we covered <laughs> cover. That covered a lot of ground in a in a, a very short amount of time. So, and I've I've got a bunch of questions off of that as well. You you touched on this kind of at the at the beginning here too about you know the fish aren't going to necessarily maybe move around an awful lot. So if you find them say in in one place today for you know example, uh, you know they're going to be there for a few days. Do you think? <laughs> Not necessarily. They might be there for an hour. They're going to be there as long as the food is there, mm-hmm. and as long as you know they, they feel secure there. If the water gets cloudier, they're going to move. They're going to hunker down even more and tuck themselves in the weeds because panfish you know, are primarily a prey species. Okay. And you got those big old pike, which are sight feeders, and of course bass and walleyes and mm-hmm. all sorts of other things that want to eat them. So they're not so concerned about getting something to eat, even though their metabolism is high, as they are survival, which means hunkering down for the short haul. Now, as things start to open up and the visibility gets better, they're going to be on the move a little more. I'll tell you, Kevin, quite honestly, I mean, I'm out there five, six days a week, and I don't care how good the bite is or what we're going after, it typically takes me an hour to get the pulse of the river because it changes every single day and throughout the day. I was going to say, too, I'm sure it changes. (laughs) It probably may change on an hourly basis, too. You never know some days. So. Oh, it, it certainly does. Depend on the light penetration, mm-hmm. depending on the water clarity, all sorts of things. Ironically, here on the river, uh, the way it's been with this high water and everything, you have a, a significant mud line, and so you want the, the water. I think the, the key is about two feet of visibility. Uh, in some of these backwaters, they clear out to the point where you've got four or five feet of visibility. If it's a bright, sunny day, a clear day, a lot of light penetration, the bite just isn't going to happen, or mm-hmm. the bite will be, like for the bass and the panfish, they'll be tucked back under the weed cover, back under the lily pads, and that kind of thing, where they can hide from the sun. So you've got to go right there after them. On a cloudy day, uh, you want to target the very clear water. 
But typically, if you're going to be up in the middle of the day, it, like I say, it, it changes. Mm-hmm. You want that two foot of visibility because they seem comfortable in that. And when you get a high sky, sunny, blue sky day, which we haven't had the last couple of days, but those, those blue sky summer days, uh, you find the two feet of visibility, the fish are, are comfortable in that, and they actually feed more aggressively at midday when you have greater light penetration because the light's got to go through the muddy water. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was, there was a point I wanted to ask you about as well. Uh, with, that, with that muddy water, even with something like a, you know, an 80th of an ounce jig, uh, what are you doing uh, in terms of, or I, I guess, what role does scent play in, uh, in what you're presenting? Well, the dirtier the water, the more important scent is. Scent, vibration, things like this. That's why you take uh, the old venerable Roadrunner jig with the little horse head jig that's got the little little uh, spinner blade mm-hmm. on the bottom of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, a little bit of flash and splash. When, when the water's dirty, you want to really attract them with vibration. Uh, I'm on the Rattle Trap Pro Staff. I'm, in fact, just found out I'm the longest standing member of the Rattle Trap Pro Staff, and they've been around since 1964, because I wasn't fishing that early. But um, the Rattle Traps, lipless vibrating crankbaits that give off uh, sound, which mm-hmm. approximates bait fish, your rattle sounds something to, to hone in on. So the, the dirtier the water is, the more something, like, like, a, like a chatterbait. Uh, you get, say we're, we're bass fishing, and you know the bass are in the weeds, and maybe a swim jig would be great. But now it's a little bit, little dirty water, a little bit off-colored water. You want to maybe go to a chatterbait, you know, like the the, the Z-Man jackhammer or something like that, that just thumps so they can actually hone in on it. Mm-hmm. Just like sonar and submarine and torpedoes and those old World War II movies and all yep. that. Yep. And 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 too, like with the uh, you talked about using you know some gulp uh, uh, or you know a, a chunk of nightcrawler things like that. That's obviously going to give off some scent as, as well and, and something else for the fish to key in on as, as well. Absolutely. And the thing that's really setting the world on fire, and they have this at, at Ace Hardware and in a few of the bait shops, is a little product called Liquid Willow Cat. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that's held close to the vest. I shouldn't even say it. I'll probably get some death threats for that. It's actually made from, from willow cats. And if you remember that old Saturday Night Live skill with Dan Aykroyd throwing the bass in the blender, the super bass-o-matic, yep. mm-hmm. uh, there's this fella in Caledonia, Eric Ingvelson, and his website is liquidwillowcat.com. So he goes up north and gets these bucketfuls of these little, what it is, it's a, uh, actually a Mad Tom uh, tadpole, and he throws them in the blender and adds some other stuff and turns it into this potion, uh, which is the, the ultimate scent. I mean, mm-hmm. smallmouth bass and walleyes just can't resist it. And uh, in, in the industry here, the locals on the river, we call it uh, either uh, the juice mm-hmm. or the recipe. Okay. <laughs> I, and, and I can believe or, or it's... The so- or the sauce. They call it the sauce, too. Uh-huh. I, and I, I've got to believe, I mean, it's, it's you know, that, that's, that's about as natural as you're ever going to get for a, uh, for a, for a scent to, uh, to put on some kind of a lure. Oh, boy. And uh, that, that liquid Willicat, I'll tell you... Uh, the only downside is when you put that liquid willow cat on a plastic. I'm a big fan of the Bee Fish and Tackle plastics, which, of mm-hmm. course, they carry at Ace. Big fan of that Sassafras uh, Pulsar paddle tail. The downside of that is you put the liquid willow cat scent on there, they chop down so hard they bite the bait in half behind the hook. So you've got to change, get about one <laughs> fish per worm or one fish per bait. They're really aggressive on it. Well, that's, and that's, uh, and that's, that's great information to. Uh... To uh, to hear what do you and and what other things that uh, are are you looking at in terms of uh, 
you know, like structure and things like that for, for, you know, for bluegills and crappies and perch. Uh, you, you talked about the, uh, uh, the, the coontail. Are there any other, you know, structure, structural features that, that uh, on the river that, uh, that you're looking at, to, uh, to, to try to find some of those fish? Oh, absolutely. Of course, uh, wood, wood is a crappie magnet and there's all kinds of visible wood, especially with all these dying trees from the flooding of last year. But uh, the visible wood, what I look for, Kevin, when I'm crappie fishing, is I look for, number one, little current, mm-hmm. and I look for at least 10 feet of water on one end of the, the deadfall, you know, the, the drift pile or whatever, mm-hmm. at least 10 feet of water. And typically, I'll fish no more than four feet down for the crappies. Now, here's part of the key. This is one of the secrets. Um, where you have the visible structure, we have all these modern electronics, which are just amazing anymore. Some of these units are just profound. And you, you find you see the tree on the, the shoreline there. Well, you get over there and start looking on your electronics, and you notice there are maybe two or three other trees nearby with a little bit of current. Mm-hmm. What, what these crappies do, and this is something that folks are just beginning to figure out, is um, you know the, the fish are going to be tight against the cover sometimes, especially when you have cloudy water and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But... The, the crappies, we have a little bit more visibility in a day or two or where there's not that much influx of, of current, is the crappies will suspend above the brush that's on the bottom. Okay. So here you are, you, you find a backwater area, very little current, you're using your trolling motor moving along, and lo and behold, there's the branches of a snag down there in 14, 15, 16 feet of water, and you see those little marks suspended above it down three, four, five feet. Those are crappies. So there's a technique which is real popular down south. It's called spider rigging. Okay. Where you take four or five long poles, because you're only allowed two in Minnesota, two in Iowa, or three in Wisconsin. You take those 10-foot-long poles, and you just take about five feet of line off the 10-foot pole and just slowly ease over top of the submerged structure, just, just crawling along there with your trolling motor with a little uh, tube jig or feather jig or something a little bit of marabou flash, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people do minnows, and I, I just don't, I don't use minnows. I use mostly plastics. And you just ease through these areas where there's very little current with all kinds of wood on the bottom, and you'd be amazed by the crappies you're going to pop all summer long. Wow. And, and are you fishing, uh, fishing that uh, uh, whatever lure you're, you're presenting there, are you fishing that right tight to then, then to the... the the uh, the tree or, or how or how far off are you uh, are you working? Oh, at? I'm suspended way up there. I mean, a lot of times towards evening when it's calm, you'll see crappies all over the surface just eating little slurping little bugs off there. You see, it's it's the old physical structure of a crappie. A crappie's eyes are positioned looking up. Mm-hmm. So if if you put if you put a, a bait right in front of a crappie's nose, he may not even see it unless he can smell it or something like that or feel the vibration. Mm-hmm. So you you can always fish. You can't fish too shallow for crappies, but it's easy to fish too deep for them. Okay. So say we're say we're fishing, and say say there's a snag in, in 12 feet of water on the bottom, and the, the top branches are 10 feet down. Uh, I'll fish four feet down, and the crappies will come up and see it because they want they feed above themselves. Okay. And and they so will typically c- a foot and a half, two uh, from one to four feet is how deep you want to fish crappies in the summertime typically. Okay. And and, and they will uh, they will come up. I, 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 I'm don't want to downplay it or whatever, but they'll come up that far then for, for that bait. Absolutely will. So you're going through some back channel uh, with a whole bunch of wood in there with very slow current, and you're noticing fish on your electronics. It's one of the rare times I use electronics. Those suspended things are you may not even see them. So that's why the five feet of line, five feet of line with 
no more than a 16-ounce jig, Mm-hmm. Just enough to keep that at a very slow movement with the trolling motor. Just enough to keep that line pretty much vertical in the water column. So if you got, say, you got five feet of line off the the rod tip, they're five feet between the the rod tip and the water where you want to be. You want to keep that bait. You know, it, the bait may drift back a little bit as you move through the current, but you want to keep it down there three to five feet over ten or twelve feet of water, and that's the key. Just move slowly. Okay. Right. You can't have the bait trolling, you know, trailing behind the boat almost like it's straight back. You want it pretty much vertical for the, to get those crappies. Because, you know, as you know, it's a very subtle bite sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very, very, very subtle. So, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, little, uh, they're little bait thieves at times, that's for sure. That's why I don't use minnows, because you're sitting there, and you know you're on the fish, and you have half a dozen nice crappies in the live. Well, why well, I haven't had a, bait in, a bite in a while. And you check, and lo and behold, without a minnow, you're not going to get bit. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the plastics and the hair and the feathers and the, the mylar, the marabou. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Now, what are you looking for in terms of, uh, uh, and again here, we're, we're talking with Captain Ted Peck this morning on WKTY Outdoors, uh, talking about uh, pan fishing here on the, on the Mississippi. Uh, how much different uh, is it for, uh, we talked about crappies a little bit here, how different is it then for the, uh, for the bluegills? Well, <clears throat> once again, they're, they're all dining on the same thing, which the 10 cent word is called benthic macroinvertebrates. Right. And all that is, that's anything from a nightcrawler to a pinch of red worm to a little bug. And the bluegills are doing the same thing. Bluegills feed a lot on bugs. So little, little teeny lightweight jigs. Small hooks, we're talking maybe a 16, something like that, mm-hmm. something very, very small. And the bluegills, too, once again, they're a prey species, so they're going to hide, they're going to hang close to the cover, escape cover, where they can also feed. Mm-hmm. That makes lily pads and the branches of trees and that kind of mm-hmm. thing a very good deal. Now, when you're fishing in heavy structure, uh, what I like to do is I use a light wire hook. You know, a little jig with a light wire hook, mm-hmm. always a light wire hook, like the old, the old Eagle Claw gold light wire hooks, yep, Sure, only on a little jig. And I use uh, up to 20-pound test braid. Okay. And you don't need a fluorocarbon leader. And I'm you're dipping right down. Or say that we've got a tree in a backwater, and the mm-hmm. tree, the end of the tree is over 10 feet of water, and up on the shore it's only about 2 feet of water. Well, I'll take that 10-foot-long pole, I'll use a big, long St. Croix, and I'll dip as close to the branches as I can, the main trunks and everything, just lower it straight down and let that 80th-ounce jig kind of waffle its way down through the water column. So if you're, if you're, gonna, if you're fishing where the fish are, you're going to get snagged. You get snagged, you take that braided line, that 10- to 20-pound braid, and you, you reel down as much as you can, and then come straight back on the rod. Put your hand over the end of the reel, over the spool of the reel, so you're not going to lose any, any slack there. So you've got the line is tight, no stress whatsoever on the rod. You want a straight line between the reel and the lure. So there's no stress, no bend on the rod. Mm-hmm. Put your hand, you cup your hand over the end of the spool and pull straight back slowly. Nine times out of ten, that lure, the hook is going to bend, you get the bait back, and all you got to do is just bend it back, you're back in business. Tenth, once in a while they break, but nine times out of ten, if you do that, don't stress the rod, don't bend the rod. So you want the line running in a straight line from the, the pickup on the, the spinning reel straight down through the ride, through all the line guides to the lure. Straight and just pull straight back on it, slow and steady. You'll get that bait back and be back in the game real quick. Nice. Great tip. That's a great, a great tip. And, and uh, just a, a last, quote, last quick question here then on, on, the, on the bluegills. Uh, you know, where are they going to be? You know, we talked about, you talked about the crappies and things like that. 
uh, fishing in the with the in the the tree cover. Where are the bluegills going to be hanging out? Obviously, you know you're you're fishing, you know above for up above the crappies or whatever to get them to come up and 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 take the lure or whatever. How are you you fishing that differently than for for bluegills in terms of where are you placing placing that lure in the water column then? Oh, Kevin, you throw me such beautiful softballs. That is so easy. <laughs> uh, you, you got this. 10 feet of water once again, and the crappies are hanging one to four feet down, the bluegills will be hanging below the crappies. So you just continue to let that bait go down through the water column. You're going to find the bluegills closer to the bottom, and you're going to find the smaller bluegills higher in the water column than the bigger bluegills. Okay. So the, the bigger ones, they, they're going to find the best place in their little ecosystem there, which is right between, right in the tangle of branches, mm-hmm. and typically near the bottom, until we start getting into the evening. If you've got a bug hatch coming off and that kind of thing, then the, the bigger bluegills will be aggressive. They'll be right up on the top. Uh, love fishing a little popper uh, with the mayfly hatch coming off. We had some major, major you know, mayfly, shadfly, river, riverfly, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. So what I do there is um, I've actually, there's, there's a place over in uh, Viroqua that they do a lot of flies, a little fly shop over there, and I've got a whole bunch of really natural-looking mayfly imitations. And I'll actually take the uh, a pop R, the old basic pop R, little basic topwater bait, mm-hmm. take all the hooks off it, to the back eye I'll take up some very stiff mono or braid, about four inches, and I'll put one of these little shadfly mayfly imitations on there, so when you see the, the shad flies coming down, you throw that in there, you, you're liable to catch anything from a big bluegill to a walleye on a topwater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I would imagine, yeah, just about uh, that'll, that'll draw just about anybody or any any fish to, to come take a look, that's for sure. Oh, it does, because they see the commotion. They, they, they sense the commotion of the, the popper on the top, mm-hmm. and they figure, well, that must be a tastier shad fly than the other 100,000 out there. And they'll come in, here's your bait, and a lot of times they'll just sneak up there and gurnip it or garwoofle it, and you're hooked up again. So that's that whole thing. Is you, you want to? You don't want to think like the panfish you're catching, the bluegill. What are they eating? Typically, little bugs, that kind of thing. Now, what we've seen here recently also is the water starts to clear and pull out of these trees. You got the mud line develop. Well, as it continues to drop, you actually have more mud, more mud develop as it's coming out. So, what might be two feet of visibility one day might be six inches the next, even though it's back through where it's clear. So, what you want to look for then is schools of active bait fish. So you, you take your, I don't care if it's a spinner bait or whatever, you throw it in there, you see a bunch of minnows busting, that's where you want to fish. Mm-hmm. I had clients out the other day, and there's one spot where the water was two feet deep maximum, and a little, but there's minnows all over back in there, and probably a 80-acre running slew backwater, but this one little area where there's the minnows, they end up catching, I think, oh, I don't know, four northerns and 12, 13 nice bass, on uh, throwing buzz baits and chatter baits in, in two feet of water in the middle of the day because that's where the food was. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they they pushed uh, they pushed them up, pushed that those minnows up towards the uh, the shallow water and had an easy time. Well, yeah, they pushed them where the minnows were living there because they felt safe. It's that mm-hmm. old predator prey thing. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I I, I tell you what. Let's. Uh, uh, and you were talking about bass and northerns as well. They're going to eat the smaller. They'll eat smaller baits as as well. I mean, it, it, of course they will. You know, I mean, you might only eat one steak, but you'll eat a handful of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And, you know, and, and of course, that the whole thing, that whole food pyramid, that food chain, you got the little bugs, then the, the minnows eat the bugs, and the bluegills, the crappies eat the minnows, and then the, the walleyes, the bass, the pike eat the bluegills, and away we go. So on this river, we've got 115 different species. You're liable to catch four or five or six different species once you find the active bite and find the food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you can, if you can find, find those minnows and, and find that, that uh, you know there's going to be fish around somewhere. Absolutely. And as, as things continue to drop, you're going to find more active bluegills, and they're not there yet, but it's coming, uh, just off the main channel, like uh, near closing dams and deadfalls, and more main channel wood and weeds, just off the main channel, uh, the main, main stream rather than in the running sluice. You always find them in the backwaters, but as it drops, they're going to be drawn out there more to the main channel. Rule of thumb, when the river's on the rise, you go into the backwaters when it's dropping, you go back towards the, the main channel, the main, river main stem. You touched on this. You mentioned this kind of at the at the beginning as well, talking a little bit about uh, the, the the walleye bite and and wing. We've talked about wing dams before. Uh, what kind of uh, you know how do how do panfish will how will panfish relate to uh, to wing dams on the on the river? <clears throat> well, once again, as the river uh, when the river's been up as it has been for the last two years. Kind of tough to find. Now, as things continue to drop, we're, we're like a 6.5 at lacrosse. As it continues to drop, you're going to find, you know, a wing dam runs uh, perpendicular to the water column, and a closing dam runs parallel to, to, to the main channel, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to find them on a closing dam. You're going to find those bluegills, and more, more bluegills than anything, on the inside, away from the channel, the opposite of the channel, the inside edge of that closing dam. On a wing dam, you're going to typically find the bluegills below the wing dam, closer to shore, where they don't have to fight the current and they feel some degree of safety, but still there's going to be all kinds of bugs coming to them. I mean, I'm thinking of dozens of places just off the main channel on the river main stem where there's a little back yeti, something like that, on the inside of the... Always good. And when you find them, you're just going to pound them because they're going to stack there because the food is there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, 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 well, let me ask, and let me ask you that as well. In, in terms of, uh, you know... Concentrations of fish. Uh, uh, let me. Let me. I'll put it simply. Where are you going to find the most concentrations of fish? <laughs> that's in the maybe, easiest that, place to broad, eat dinner. Broad question. It might be a broad question, but it, it, I guess. Oh no, it, it's a good question. Uh, one case in point. Of course, we've got a super, super autumn crappie bite here in the wood, and it's been a couple of years ago. There was one little, one little bushel basket size opening. In, in a fork of a tree, in, in a massive tree system, and that one little bushel basket size opening, for some reason it was just perfect to bring the food in there, and this one little bushel basket size opening, in a two-week period, my clients caught almost 400 crappies. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the people would be fishing around it, but you get in that one little hole there, get hooked up, the next guy would move in, get hooked up. We're talking limit catches for two solid weeks. So there must have been something... That drew the, the the bait in there, which drew the fish right exactly there. And there's actually my, my first book, which is Mississippi Musings with the Old Guide. Uh, there's a picture of a kid with a 16-inch crappie that was one of those 400, just as big as his chest. And the new book is called uh, Tails, you know, T-A-I-L-S, Trails, and Tails, T-A-L-E-S, with the Old Guide. And that's just a, a collection of outdoor columns and stories in these pre-COVID times, and that's available on Amazon.com and also in the Kindle ebook store right now. Um, my, it, it's actually the, the subtitle is the, the Outdoor Reader for Folks with Indoor Plumbing. So it's just <laughs> little short stories you know, for five minutes. If you've got something that takes five minutes, it's a good thing to read. 
Well, there you go. And and I I did want to I did want to did want to bring that up and, and make sure we mention that here too. So uh, thank you for uh, for for doing so because I know uh, folks will be uh, will will be interested in, uh, in in checking that out and uh, all the and, and it's just and and those are, that's just a collection of columns that you've written over the 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 years here and you're just uh, you're just putting it into into book form and, and sharing it with uh, sharing it with the folks. Oh, it's been very well received. I had one old river rat come up to me, and he got it on Kindle eBooks. He was mad. He says, "You know, you sob, I picked this thing up. I couldn't put it down on the Kindle <laughs> thing there, and I laughed and I cried. So that t- must be doing something right." Well, that's... he was a crusty old river rat. Well, that's named uh... Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that that is uh, that is that is good to hear. I'm glad the glad the book is uh, doing well, and I I, I I wish you continued success with that. Uh, I well, guess. Thank you much. Uh, Anything else that uh, that that maybe we we haven't touched on in terms of uh, uh, what to look for in terms of uh, of panfish and uh, you know or structure or or something along those lines that that I mean, we've covered a lot and uh, I guess I'm just wondering if there's anything else that maybe we haven't touched on here as, as we kind of wind things down here this morning. Absolutely, Kevin, and that would be you know our military is famous for fighting the previous war, right? Mm-hmm. And so say that you go to a spot and have great success on your panfish of choice, and so the first thing you're going to do is go right back to where you hit them. If you're not hitting them in the same place, the same presentation, don't stay there all day and expect them to show up because they're not going to. Uh, when I go up there, I'm, I'm panfishing, I frog around until I hit them, and then I stay and I pound them. So change, maybe a little thing, maybe just moving 10 or 15 feet, maybe it's the water's a little deeper, a little shallower, a little clearer, a little more stained, mm-hmm. or the weed growth has changed. Don't get wrapped into this thing where you're just because it's a shade tree and it feels good. If you're not catching fish, move. Don't stay for more than three or four minutes like those bass guys. Move until you find them, and once you find them, open the live well, kick back, and catch all you want yep. within legal wanes. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, and you touched and you touched on it too, kind of at at, at the beginning. You know, it just you know, move around and and, and you know, there's a lot of places. <laughs> there's so many places out there to uh, uh, to find the fish. It's uh, you know, you don't have absolutely. To that, that's why it takes an hour to actually get in harmony with the river because the river changes uh-huh. constantly. Yeah, that was that, and that was the point I, I, I wanted you to to, to to mention too. That yeah, you just you know you, you go out there and before you even drop that line in the water, you're look you're looking around, you're you're looking at your electronics, you're you're trying to read the water, look at the structure, things how. Well, more more the more the uh, reading the river than the electronics. Yeah. And if you don't find them, move. And so you, you frog around and you move and you move and you move. Uh, I might also mention my, my website, which is www.tedpeckfishing.com. I, I blog on there frequently as the river changes and try to put people in touch with this. Because my whole mission is just seeing people appreciate some of God's greatest work, the mighty Mississippi River, and have more success fishing out there. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, it, it, again, speaking here with uh, Captain Ted Peck this morning on WKTY Outdoors, as always, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your your schedule here to uh, to join me on the program this morning and share some of your your great fishing knowledge. And uh, uh, I I think folks have I know I always learn a lot when I uh, when I chat with you. And uh, today again was uh, was no exception. So thank you. Well, thank you. I love sharing it, and I make you this promise: if you want to hire me as a guide, you may not catch a lot of fish, but you will get out of the boat a better fisherman than you got in, and that's a promise. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, 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 I got to take a quick break here, but I want to keep you on the line here because I want to ask you a couple questions off air. But uh, uh, sure, try and, we'll try and set something up for another program here because 
obviously we 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 can't we we've only got an hour so we can only get so much and there's a lot to talk about so well i've only got about 60 years experience oh we've we've got we got plenty to go over here so let me take a quick break and uh, we'll be back in just a moment with more of wkty outdoors on wkty 96.7 fm 580 a.m 